Hey guys, welcome to Polywana Podcast. I'm your host, Britt Vasacek. Thank you to the Houston Polyamorous Organization for sponsoring, to the Mockingbird Network for hosting us, and to Jay Walker Coaching for providing us services. I'm here today with my guest, Tim. Hi, Tim. Hi, Britt. This is the first time that I have ever interviewed someone that I don't know yet. So we get to meet right now while everybody is listening. I've never interviewed a stranger. No pressure. Well, thank you. Well, I've never been... A stranger? A stranger in this type of form <laughs> or situation before. So it's learning experience for both. Yeah, that's exciting. Um, I would love to interview more strangers, but it's hard to get people to be like, hey, come into this strange house to this weird studio and we can talk about relationships for an hour. <laughs> as long as there's no bodies in the front, we're good. Yeah, that's true. They're all in the back. Um, so what I'd like to start with is how you discovered polyamory. Well, me and my wife have been together for 15 years now. And Congratulations. Well, thank you. Uh, you only get 25 for manslaughter. <laughs> I good joke. We're off to a good start, everybody. <laughs> I kid. But however, you know, the thing is a lot of people have this idea of how they want their relationships to be. Mm -hmm. You meet somebody, you think, this is the person I'm going to be with for the rest of my life. And that both makes you excited and terrifies you at the same time mm. says, this is the person i'm going to be with the rest of my life yeah oh my god it's like i want the, that but it's right, like that's this is the, the decision person, right because we meet so many people mm -hmm. and you come across so many souls in your lifetime yeah it's almost impossible to not find somebody that you're a either compatible with you'd like to get to know better Mm -hmm. But typically, you know, the friendship thing is about the best that a lot of people are willing to deal with. Um, being in biology and behavioral sciences, she always understood that humans have a natural tendency to want to befriend or actually pass on their genetic m makeup to other people. How funny. I love that, like, kind of like sterile science -y, you yeah, know. That seven year itch always extends from the fact that the man or the male would come and start a family mm -hmm. and once the family is established after around seven years it moves on passes genetic information forward because as you move throughout the the plains you have to increase the population and the best way to do that is to continue to move on mm. but considering that we don't have any natural predators anymore outside the irs and maybe visa people <laughs> live a long time another good joke <laughs> for those counting at home <laughs> people live a very long time where they lead a long, boring, monotonous life. Mm -hmm. So what do you do to break that up? And what do you do when you have somebody that you've been with for many years? Are you going to be comfortable with that person in a sexual and emotional way for the rest of your life? Mm -hmm. So that's a question that was asked. And once we, I went to school and she had to come back here to, to get a job so we could keep the bills going mm -hmm. and certain things happened where I got different jobs in different states. And you realize that you're, if you're comfortable with each other, it says, well, why not we expand other options because you're going to be away for so long. Mm, so it was kind of born of this like long distance situation. Right. We, and we always knew that we, we had this unclean. So well, how would you feel about dating other people? Blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And that was never an issue in terms of jealousy. Oh, really? No. Uh, oh, that's the, normally like the, the wall to jump over to get oh, to the garden. And let me tell you, the first person that she showed me when we were separated uh, by distance, mm -hmm. she showed me a picture of someone who looked like Channing Tatum. 
Exactly, with the the smallest hat possible and the largest (laughs) chest I could imagine. And (laughs) it was, you know, it's intimidating when you see someone who looks like you could bench press a car. Yeah. Whereas, you know, lucky to pick up 50 pounds. So (laughs) it's interesting to see how people see you when you say, I'm married, I have this relationship, so this is the situation. Mm -hmm. Um, You find that sex and relationships it's kind of like meatloaf and let me explain so yeah please yeah, explain so Wednesday night, <laughs> I mean, that would be hilarious you if you were like it's kind of like meatloaf and then you just changed the subject and didn't even address what right, you said exactly <laughs> and you know sexual experiences for a lot of people you could uh, you know compare to like having meatloaf so okay. you have meatloaf what wednesday nights sure friday nights okay so what does meatloaf taste like Mm-hmm. meatloaf tastes like meatloaf yeah like it's the like, flesh of my enemies correct mm-hmm. and so for 30 years every wednesday and friday night you have meatloaf but you have no other frame of reference how anything else tastes mm-hmm. and you come to realize that hey it becomes either monotonous or a chore no matter how much you try to spice things up in a certain way that person will not change inherently because that's the same person yeah the interesting thing is to experience other people and what I've noticed is that there are many different people that hide a different side to themselves that they only show to people in an intimate fashion. Mm. Plus, exploring relationships other than just a swinging relationship. Because there's a lot of people in the organization that do that lifestyle. But mm-hmm. it's a very empty one in which, you know, it's okay for us to do whatever on certain parties, Friday nights, Wednesday nights. But if I have coffee with that person, or decide to spend time with them outside of the swinging group, mm-hmm. then it's a violation of certain rules because it extends beyond a physical endeavor. Yeah. I love two things that you said. One was when you kind of touched on like how uh, people open themselves up differently when they are intimate with someone, which is something that I really appreciate about polyamory because there's always that question well like if you want to connect with people then just be friends with more people and you know there's just this way that the not the identity changes but your perception of a person becomes so much deeper when you're intimate with them and so to play on that is you know really exciting that's one of my favorite things about polyamory exactly there's some things that you just simply cannot get from a friendly relationship no matter how strong that bond is unless you go to an intimate level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that can mean not even sex. You yes, know, there correct, is just this other correct. kind There's of There's other like... types of intimacies, but when you strictly define somebody who would be married, i.e., you know, mm-hmm. having an external relationship outside of your own with the opposite sex would be very curtailed with a lot of people. Yeah. And um, that we haven't talked a whole lot about swinging on the show, but I do know that swinging is often a transition into poly because people will try like, okay, we don't experience a whole lot of jealousy. We want to spice up our sex life. Let's try this. And then they realize like, oh, I would also really like an intimate connection. And that's sometimes a breach of the rules of the other relationship because some people don't have jealousy around sex, but they have a lot of jealousy around intimacy, Exactly, which has, you know, I've experienced I've been on the other end of that and it's, you know, it's a little sad because <laughs> that's like that to me is the fun part. I can't, you know, place judgment on anyone, but to me that seems like the reason that I'm poly. And so when I see, you know, swinging relationships where that's a problem, it makes me, you know, sad for them that they don't get to experience that. I would say I'm more poly than the wife is because I had a very tumultuous childhood dealing with my mother. My mother was never a very caring person toward me. 
she was a bit of a bully as a child mm. and uh, she's Japanese I'm Japanese so um, she's she was very cold and distance whereas my father was the one who was the loving and nurturing one so whenever you have a lack of a motherly touch you find yourself wondering one of two things you either start to you know despise women in general saying I they've been cold to me or you long for that motherly feeling that that loving feeling that you get from that mother mm -hmm. and a lot of that loving nature that you find I find in Polly whereas mm. you wouldn't find in swinging yeah whereas it's just simply wham bam thank you man there's no real mm -hmm. emotion it's like you know let's meet for crossfit or let's meet for the great american challenge going through an obstacle course there's no real emotion with it how funny are those dates that you've been on yes that's hilarious that's yeah. oh my gosh yeah. you are such a different person than me it's 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 very interesting <laughs> let's when... meet for crossfit oh my god <laughs> that's funny though <laughs> yeah, because when you when you want to just meet somebody to go do an activity, uh, there's a big difference from just enjoying the activity versus enjoying the person. Mm. Finding more about that person. Everyone has a story. Yeah. People who are policemen, firefighters, people in public service, they come across five to 8,000 people a day, depending on what they do. Mm -hmm. And the lives that you see and come across are very interesting. It's like that song, I forgot who sings it. It's about... A man who sees another woman with another man, and they mm -hmm. share a moment. You're beautiful, I think. You're beautiful. Oh, yeah. James Blunt. Yeah. And that's so true with a lot of people. Mm -hmm. A lot of people who are not poly have that pang of longing that mm -hmm. they see. And that's a lot of people have that, but people who are poly get to actually pursue it. Mm-hmm. But you have to be careful about it. Yeah. Because society as a whole is not ready. And especially with the current administration mm -hmm. and the way certain politics go. I know. I felt like I was so close to being like, okay, things are getting more progressive. Trans rights, gay rights, you know, all this, you know, intersectional fem feminism. Like, I can, like, be openly poly. Like, and now then, you know, the administration happens like, fuck, I was so close. <laughs> to give you an idea of what it's like working in an organization where you have that kind of leadership change considering the last administration to the current one, mm -hmm. they always know that it's there. Mm -hmm. But you'd be surprised the more conservative some people may show themselves to be, mm -hmm. the more rambunctious and debaucherous <laughs> that they are in oh, private. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's really interesting to see it that way. But they want to present a certain picture to the public how they are mm -hmm. but it's hard to hide that with social media with twitter and several other things so <laughs> i like how you specifically isolated twitter yeah uh, twitter is uh, can be useful and it can also be very detrimental but yeah I, digress. I mean i think that's true for all social media it's, it depends on how you use it but there's this way so if social media is an extension of our personalities and we you know openly express ourselves on social media in a way that we wouldn't express ourselves at work. We're lying at work and we're lying on social media because we say this is the full me, but there's a, you know, a conservative me that's at work that's lying. Correct. And then, you know, that's not something I'm going to talk about on Facebook. So I think, and I mean, I'm lucky cause I, you know, am 11 years old and I don't have a degree and I don't intend to get one or ever have a job that would keep me from being myself. So I get to be myself in both places, but not everybody has that luxury. 
And so I wonder, like, for me to be a part of some kind of organization like that and to fully express myself, like, how many HR meetings I would have to go to, you know, just to exist. Well, it's an interesting transition because the baby boomers had Generation X, which was somewhat rebellious. Mm -hmm. But they still were instilled with certain things from the baby boomer generation. And then Generation X, depending on how they were... When they had millennials, millennials, they had a more carefree and more exploratory nature about them instead mm-hmm. of conforming to the typical, you you go to school, you get a job, you do that job for 20, 30 years, you get that pension and you go play golf somewhere. Yeah. But that's not assured anymore. Mm-hmm. So what do you do? You have a relationship with somebody. You stay with somebody for the sake of your children. Mm-hmm. This is okay. It's for the children. So you put up this facade for the children, and then once that child goes off to college and you're still in your 50s, what do you do? You, you have this void between the two of you that's always been there. And it's just yeah. magnified by the fact that your child is gone. So they've said that there have been more divorces and more breakups with people who are the baby boomers than anyone else because they realize... I was never happy with this person. Yeah. I just did it because I thought that's what you did. My parents have been together for 37 something years. They don't always like each other, but they tolerate each other. It says, I can't deal with your father, but I'll be here no matter what. I cannot imagine. And for some people that sounds romantic. I cannot imagine living that way. You know what I mean? Life is too short. Yeah. Too long and too short after everything that you see. People can die in an instant from a bomb, from Mm -hmm. illness. And even with an illness, it's very expensive to die in this country. Gosh, it really is. Yes. I've seen people bankrupt throughout my dating history. I've seen people that were very high in corporate positions, government positions, wherever, mm-hmm. that were financially wiped out because of some illness, because, you know, but healthcare is another story. But yeah. there's a lot of things that are progressive about this country financially that are socially backwards compared Mm -hmm. to many other developed nations. Yeah. We still have like this residue of all of those social constrictions, you know, no matter how much people want, you know, to have a progressive economy or progressive healthcare system, the, the social residue is what got Trump into office. You know, it's that kind of the shock of moving so fast for people that are so traditional and, and feel comfortable in that traditional life which is really sad. And for as free as we are, we work more than any other country. We're Mm -hmm. overworked. And it was very interesting to see the Samsung commercial for the Galaxy Note 8. They are now Note 7 when it came out last year. Christopher Waltz came out and he was dressed as a woman, as a man, as a uh, golfer. And he says, you Americans, you, you work so much. And now we have a device that can keep you forever working. And that's, that's a sad statement. We're so focused on our productivity and how much money we can make that by the time somebody retires, it's more like a pencil that's used up. Mm -hmm. And then when you're trying to find yourself and try to find love, most of the people that I've seen online with who are older, if you read their profiles, it's I've lived that nine to five. I've done the hustle and bustle. Now it's time to figure out who I am. Mm-hmm. If you find look at a lot of swingers, and even some of the polys who were converted from swingers, you find a lot of them are a lot of late 40s, early 50s, sometimes 60s, because it takes a certain point that people have to become comfortable with themselves. And discover that that's what Correct. they want. They, they don't have permission for most of their life to do that. Right. And, you know, 
in our mind, in my mind, I don't feel any different than I did when I was 21. Mm-hmm. But outwardly, I'm not 21. So when you're 50 or 60, you realize, I want to experience other people. I want to do this or that. But you're not that same young person. While that person resides in you as that exuberant energy, it's harder to attract some of the younger crowd because you tend to be older. Mm-hmm. And that was the other reason to open up early in the relationship because you still want to be able to go get it while the lead is still in your pencil, so to speak. <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, um, I've, I've heard expressed. I mean, I do. I see a lot of that generation in, um, you know, both the kink community and the poly community. And there is a little frustration that I've heard expressed from them. Like, you know, I really wish that I would have found this sooner. I wish I would have given myself permission sooner. And, you know, I, I mean, age doesn't really, I mean, one of my partners is 58. Like, I don't really have a problem with that, but there's this way that like, it's more about how they feel about themselves. And so sometimes they have some of that internalized like guilt around it. And some, I mean, I, I mean, and this is, this transcends age. I see it mostly in that generation, but it's everywhere. This like internalized guilt that keeps them from being a hundred percent honest or keeps them from being a hundred percent sexually open. And it's that leftover from how they were raised or how they, you know, are afraid to be perceived by their friends or their coworkers. Like, and it comes out in these sideways, you know, ways because they haven't confronted it for themselves. It's very interesting. You bring that up because when we do searches on people or we search property, you'll notice that these people look completely upstanding, like your typical professor, well-dressed, well-mannered, But when you dive into a person's personal property, it's also like an extension of their cell phone. You never know what you find. Mm. Exactly. I've seen a couple that looked like, you know, the one that holds the pitchfork and he's got... Oh, yeah, American Gothic. Correct. You have the American Gothic couple, but when you open there and you do searches and you find stuff like whips, chains, harnesses, and you immediately look at the female and say is this yours? And the male says, no, it's mine. Mm -hmm. And all the more dominating equipment resides with her property. And you realize that there's a side that people don't show. Yeah. Not, and that's what the thing, like sometimes when people are too like straight laced, it's like, I don't fucking trust you. Like I know everyone has a vice and it doesn't have to be, you know, sexual deviancy. Not that I think any of that is, you know, sexual deviancy. I think it's really sexual restoration. Correct. But I, I, you know, if you don't have anything that you're doing, there's something you're hiding, you know, you're doing it behind closed doors, which it might be part of the kink. I don't know. Well, the other side of it is people just, um, again, um, people are not comfortable with you coming out to friends and family. Mm-hmm. But the interesting thing is coming out to the coworkers and to the organization. It's actually much easier than you think mm. because there's a natural inclination for people to whisper if somebody, let's say if somebody's a homosexual or have certain kinks, when they hide it, but it's suspected, people will talk about it, will whisper about it, and it'll mm. be the talk about the office. Yeah. But once that person comes out, nobody cares mm-hmm. because it's come to light and it's just common knowledge. Yeah. In my case, I was outed at work. But you were outed like by someone else? Right, because I was with a date, <gasps> and they knew that I was married. Oh. So the question came out, and I sat and thought to myself right then and there, uh, I was still on probation, mm-hmm. 
from in the organization, not not from the wall. But um, you're, while you're there, it, it was much easier to just come out and say yes. So this is the type of relationship this is. They look at you with horror, but then they nod and then they move on. And forever then forth, mm-hmm. you're known as that guy in that relationship. Mm-hmm. But it's fine because everybody knows. Yeah. Whereas if I hit it, the whispering would never stop. As a matter of fact, when you find yourself in an organization that has a lot of leeway in terms of time where people can are required to come in at all hours of the night, you find more cheating <laughs> than anything else Police i can imagine officers, that that's true yeah. firefighters fbi agents they have some of the highest rates of cheating wow. next to let's say flight crews mm-hmm. because the main thing is you either have a relationship where it's understood that while i'm here we have this relationship when i'm gone what happens at work because by nature of somebody who has a clearance or a job that you're not supposed to tell people mm-hmm it leads itself to certain secrecy. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So naturally those people tend to be inclined to do certain things like Mm -hmm. that. The other side of it is when you're gone, you do whatever, but when you come back, you're normal or people just do whatever that was agreed upon while they're separated. And if there's a lot of time with that separation, you have to deal with that. The, The other interesting thing is when you start dating people with children, it's very interesting because some people will, hoard their children away and never show them to you because they're afraid of introducing Mm -hmm. a certain element that would potentially corrupt the child. Mm -hmm. But what I've found the, the main reason why you want to be careful about who you expose, especially if you're starting to come out in a relationship is that children are very perceptive. So while it makes mom and dad happy and that children reflect upon that, Mm-hmm. As children go and play with their friends, they say, oh, my mommy or my daddy has a boyfriend, girlfriend, or whatever. That gets back to that person's parents, and all of a sudden, that child is no longer allowed to play with that other person's child. So mm. you have to be very careful about that because you can ostracize your children from other people and friends. Mm. So, But some people have been, been very good about incorporating their children because I've... I've dated people. I've dated one for uh, almost two years now. And uh, she has many children. And the children were actually... Several. Thousands. Dozens. Well, more than one. Okay. More than one, less than ten. There we go. So, and the children actually like me. Mm -hmm. And it's very interesting because once she came out to her family about it, there was some pushback, but the family was accepting of it because it makes mommy happy. Mm Mm-hmm. And that was the important part. And uh, once you realize that when you go into a poly relationship, you have to be aware of the lives that you touch. Unlike just a swinging relationship, you're not just dealing with the sexual needs of somebody. You have to understand how you touch that other person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and their family. Right. Mm-hmm. And if you're an asshole by nature, then you may bring those asshole tendencies and spread them in a, in a manner that's very unhealthy. Mm-hmm. And likewise, if you're very good, you can bring a lot of good. And the interesting thing is, after being in, in multiple um, polyamorous relationships, I find more support from the polyamorous partners that I have than from my own family. Mm. As far as support? Just support either emotional, mm. sometimes financial, because when I first transferred here, all agents were part-time 
and time was limited. This this person, she opened her home up to mm-hmm. us and provided a lot of support as I got a foothold back in the... And, and my wife and I actually lived with my partner and uh, her husband. And it was a very interesting relationship. I love shit like that. Yeah. Cohabitating and like this sort of, not like commune thing, but just this like we take care of each other because we're in this Correct. Same, we're all you know. in the same boat. And from everyone else's perspective, they see all the women wearing these long dresses and these bonnets and the men wearing these suits holding a Bible, you know, smacking everybody around. It's not Jamestown. It's not some cult. Mm-hmm. It's a mutually beneficial relationship that everyone tries to help everyone the best way they can. Mm-hmm. Because I've seen a lot of marriages and relationships saved mm-hmm. by polyamory. Oh, yeah. Because the best thing about polyamory is this. You get used to somebody over 10, 15 years. You know everything about them. And then you take everything for granted. When you date somebody else somebody who's annoying or not annoying or whatever they do that's different. Yeah, just the contrast. It makes you truly, truly appreciate what that other person's been doing for the last 15 years that you've forgotten about. Mm -hmm. And there are times when you sit down with that other person he says, you know what? I really love you because just because, you know, your sexual life uh, may not be very good with that person or certain aspects may not be good. There's a reason why you're with that person for 15, 20 years. Mm -hmm. It's hard to find somebody you can live with. It's very easy to find somebody that you can have that emotional high and chase that relationship high with. Yeah. But it actually brings people closer together, but you do have to be careful. Sometimes that chasing those new relationships, once you have a so-called open season, People have a tendency to bite off more than they can chew. Mm-hmm. You know, they get saturated. <laughs> I've been on the other end of that. Yeah. So you become this person that wants to sample everything. And then before you know it, you're lost in your sampling and you tend to neglect other things. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah, human I nature. Was... Oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, it's human nature. So mm-hmm. I was on my way back from Austin and I was writing with someone I didn't know very well. And they were interested in polyamory. And something they mentioned was, I don't want to start a relationship with someone. And then we try polyamory and they sprain their ankle and then they don't want to do it anymore. You know what I mean? And so that perspective had never occurred to me because I have never started in a monogamous relationship and gone poly, right? I'm just like already in it. So that idea that like it really is a trial and error. And so if you're going to try from a mono place, you have to know that like you're going to fuck up, you know, like, or there's going to be stuff that you didn't expect, or you're going to have to communicate more about this stuff. And that biting off more than you can chew thing is like a great example of that because, you know, both partners might be excited or one partner might be, you know, well-fed and the other might not. And it's it's like going to the Bellagio buffet or the Caesar's palace buffet in Vegas (laughs) You try everything and then you wind up bloated and you regret coming here. (laughs) No, it's very true because, you know, people have this resentment that, oh, you just came here to eat whatever and you're neglecting everything else. Mm -hmm. Just be aware that, you know, people's emotions and their feelings matter. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Just because it's about you eating. Right. Just because you've been with somebody for 15 or 20 years does not mean you can do whatever you want to do. And that person not be affected by your different relationships. Don't take for granted the fact that you've been with somebody so long that, oh, they're just there Mm -hmm. and I'll have my relationships. And no matter what happens, I'll always have that relationship. You have to understand and communicate with that person. And if that person doesn't communicate or if you don't, if you hide things, 
the number one problem with hiding from information from people is that people will revert to the most uh, worst case scenario in their mind. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, you also, say, I mean, if you're being dishonest, that is well, yeah. the worst case scenario. That you is. Know? But on top of that, people's fears will get the better of them when you say, well, I'm having coffee and the other person's nervous about any kind of physical relationship. The first thing in their mind is they're going to a gangbang mm-hmm. or whatever. But is when, that the worst case scenario? Uh, I don't know. Probably not, depending <laughs> on uh, how things go. But um, if you're ADD like me, it's like trying to figure out whether one steak or chicken, and it's kind of hard. So, <laughs> no, like uh, people, people say that you know, again, not all kinks are the same. So uh-huh. you put somebody in a in a in a mix, it's it would be like somebody on the battlefield with a sword. He doesn't know who to swing after next. Mm. You know what I'm saying? You're just sitting there confused looking. So do I attack this person, this person attack? That's hilarious. <laughs> so speaking of ADD, I kind of want to touch a little more on, um, the children aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Like how there is like this line between like safety and honesty. Right. So right. how do you tow that? Well, my child's young. Okay. Six or seven months. Very young. Oh, the the baby. Very, very tiny. But dating people who do have children, I realize that, um, and I've seen a lot of uh, people who've had abusive relationship, and it shows in the child. Mm. The child is very wary of the person, like, is is this person going to hit my mom as well? Mm -hmm. And um, you have to approach children in a way that, you know, that they're part of the package. Yeah. If these people that you date with children are truly polyamorous, you're going to have to deal with the fact that they have children and those children are going to be incorporated at some point. Yeah. Because when you call a certain person and you hear who you're talking to and you hear another child, oh, that's mommy's boyfriend, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Realize that your actions will affect that whole family and not just yours. So... As long as the family takes good care of how they present polyamory to their children, mm-hmm. then it's fine. So but you're more in the camp of like, be honest with your children, but be safe about be it. Be safe about okay. it and let the children understand that not everybody else has the same lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Because children will assume they emulate their parents. So they'll see what mom and dad does and say, oh, so this is what it must be like at the Smiths or the Johnsons which is not the case. Yeah. Because when you start talking, again, as I said before, you start talking, the kids start talking to other kids. Well, my mommy has two boyfriends. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I remember when my mom came out to me as gay, like it really didn't really, so I, from an early age, had this openness around homosexuality that a lot of people, you know, growing up in Spring, Texas, you know, didn't have. Even as progressive as society is, it was still in my lifetime that I was ridiculed for having a gay mom. And it helped me, you know, find my way to bisexuality and be super open about poly. So I was fine and I was able to find myself way sooner than a lot of my peers. But it still sometimes gets not like on my nerves, but I can see the value in having been told when I was told that she was gay. Like not every family is like this and not every family is okay with this, but this is how I am. You know, it was just kind of this sort of open, like, Hey, I love you. And I love women. And that's, you know, like I want to share this with you. And I think it's important to be honest with you. So there was, uh, you know, care taken in that area. So how old were you when I was in second grade? See, that's the important thing because some poly parents will come into this thinking okay so 
these are good friends of mommy and daddy. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, these friends come over when the kids go to sleep, things happen. Mm-hmm. But kids are not stupid. Just like parents are not stupid. Yeah. Well, anytime that you're telling your, I mean, a second grader's not going to know that their monogamous parents are like into bondage and, you know, only do oral now because they don't, you know, Correct. like each other's genitals. Like there's all this sex stuff that mono people don't tell to their children in the same way there's all this sex stuff that poly people wouldn't tell to their children. Correct. You know? And then one, one at some point when some people will say, oh, let's wait till the kid is old enough. So you wait till the kid is 14 or 15, but you have this hush-hush nature about things. Ugh. The the kids will know that mom and dad have this secret society or whatever they're doing. Yeah. They'll talk about it and they'll either catch on or they'll push it out of their minds. And by the time you come out with it, then it's going to reflect on them when they decide to do any kind of interpersonal relationships. It's, it's okay to have these secrets mm-hmm. and to reveal them at a certain time. And that becomes a problem because... Mm-hmm people who are work in government or certain organizations, we have a nature, oh, it's a needs-to-know basis. Mm-hmm. And that mentality can be very damaging when it comes to relationships. On an unrelated note, I listen to this, like, dope-ass, like, YouTube thing about, like, sensitive information, and I didn't realize that, like, there's stuff about science that, like, we're not allowed to know. That's fucking crazy. Why? It's so if dumb. you knew what happened up in... God. The National Laboratories, White Sands. And it's all that. crazy. There's a lot of things Ugh. that regular people will never know. I know, right? I remember, well, I won't talk about it because I can't, but um, the point being, I do wish, so like I had, I was raised by my grandmother for most of my life. And so my mom was kind of in and out. So my grandmother's, you know, inability to accept homosexuality as something that happens uh, or is allowed kind of like prevented my mom from ever telling me. But I think if I had been brought up like this is just the reality rather than like having to be sat down and like come out to, it probably would have changed the whole situation, you know, because I would have been in on it with my family, which I think is kind of what you're describing is, you know, if you have a secret from your children and then you tell them the secret, they don't really focus on what that secret is. They focus on, oh, you know, you told me a secret I didn't know before. So that's how this works. So that's really scary. Well, that's the thing. (laughs) When you work in corporate government, things like that, that mentality that we have to keep this a secret Mm -hmm. can easily transfer to the relationship. And Mm -hmm. sometimes those relationships are the most scandalous ones because a lot of times you find people in high levels of corporations or government coming out with some scandal because of the nature of how they deal with it. Yeah. And that's something else about the conservative communities is that that's like the idea is like, if you're having an affair, you don't tell anyone. Like if you like men, you don't tell anyone. And it's not, Oh, find yourself and see who you are and share it with people when you're ready. It's like hide your shit. If you're not this kind of person, the the reason why I would say house of cards is so popular Mm -hmm. is because you see a powerful Senator who eventually becomes president and his wife who have a very dark sexual nature where they're swinging, they have different relationships with people. It's very intriguing to the common individual mm. because they want to experience that. But when they see it from that perspective, that scandalous nature, it to them it explains why all these things happen yeah. in echelons of government. But for them, they realize that, oh, could I even do something like that? But it shows that the reason why it's so popular, it's in our nature that we would want to pursue other interpersonal relationships besides our defined ones. Mm-hmm. I've never seen House of Cards. 
Well, it's on Netflix, so okay. So he, is that a prescription? Should I go watch it? You should, and <laughs> you know, it's Kevin Spacey. He's I a, do love Kevin. Yes, Spacey. he's a powerful senator, and him and his wife they have swinging relationships. They sleep with their bodyguards. They I had have, no idea that's what it was oh, about. Well, that's not primarily. Or it's just what's like about, a storyline, but. but they have those types of relationships. How cool. And But it's hidden to the public because they are the upstanding senator from Kentucky or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why life imitates art. You know, people... <gasps> Speaking of which, did you watch The Handmaiden's Tale? Is that what it's called? Uh, Where like... Yeah, unfortunately, I, I don't always have time to watch it, so probably oh, okay. not. It's, well, the story, it's, it's kind of post-apocalyptic a little, like the society reverts to the super conservative Christian. And so, um, fertility is on the decline and they have these handmaidens, which are people that are still fertile that they like hire. And there's this, like, I can't even, I can't even explain it. It's like fucking wild, but it's this sort of conservative Christian, uh, triad, that like they don't admit that that's what it is, but it's totally a triad, you know? And there, there's like this power struggle with like the wife and the handmaiden. It's so good. Um, See, that's the problem. Yeah. Hierarchies can be a problem, especially if you're married. Yeah. How do you feel about hierarchies and anarchies? Well, here's the thing. If you, (sighs) Oh, here, just for like the listeners, some people might know there's, poly uh, hierarchies which means like you have a primary a secondary a tertiary and then there's poly anarchy where you just put your energy where it seems you know comfortable at the time so how do you feel about those well here's the thing if you come out on dating sites especially on okcupid when you can say married or open when you say open people tend to be more open to receiving you than mm. when you say you're married when really? you say you're married it pretty much puts them in the idea that I'm just here to be hitched along for the ride. Okay. And um, whether or not you as a married poly couple or even just a regular poly couple assign hierarchies, it depends on the person. To me, love is like an ice cube tray. How do you fill an ice cube tray up? You turn on the water, it fills up one hole, and then it spills over, it fills to the next. Now, are those cubes any different from each other? No. But over time... They tend to spill over. Relationships are relationships. And, you know, when you're married to somebody, they are conferred certain benefits. They're the mother or the father of your children. Mm -hmm. They get the primary benefits from death, taxes, and everything else. But people have either sexless marriages or marriages of convenience. So the stereotype is that people will automatically assume if you're married that you have a hierarchy. Yeah. Interesting. I never really thought about it like yeah. that because one, I'm not married <laughs> and I don't really but have a were, primary. I was married. Yeah. yeah. Those were dark times, <laughs> which is, you know, funny. I was married to someone in the military and swinging was huge there. And so it was kind of this inherent to me. Swinging is just like a very rigid hierarchy. It's very, you know, and so very. that's kind of like the thing is when you say that you're swingers, this is the, the standard for the relationship and this will always be my primary and we only have room for this in our lives. And, and it fits I, very well with military personnel because oh, yeah. they live that type of regimented <laughs> lifestyle. Yes. Staff Sergeant. <laughs> That's hilarious. I never thought about that, about how like there's kind of this mental capacity for a hierarchy because of the ranking of military. That's so funny. Think of who you date. If you date a firefighter, police officer, there's a certain air of authority or authoritative nature. Mm -hmm. Who you date will also potentially define how your relationship might be. Yeah. So know what you're getting into depending on the 
occupation of the person that you meet. Mm, yeah. Because finding somebody in the military, it can go both ways. It could be somebody who has a certain parameter that they have to follow or else they're not comfortable. Yeah. When you live a lifestyle where we tell you what to eat, when to eat, and how to tie your shoes, mm-hmm. if you don't define certain boundaries for those people, it may not work. So know what you're getting into, profile, so to speak, who you're dating so you can get a feel for them before you start mm-hmm. dealing with them in a relationship. Yeah. I don't like to make snap judgments, but I do. Ha- I have this sort of like... Not that I would say like, oh, they do this job, so they're this way. But it's like if they have this job, they're probably inclined to these behaviors. That I can kind of get behind. That makes more sense to me. And also everyone is terrifying. So <laughs> you really everyone never know. Mean. Yeah, everyone is mean until proven otherwise, it seems. Interesting. Like, think about it. You when, you, when you wait in line for a movie. Uh-huh. I, I remember when episode one came out. We're standing in line because Star, Star Wars has been around forever. We're standing in line waiting for the movie the next day. We're standing in line for 13 hours. Whoa. So you, you're next to these strangers and everyone has this dour look. They're either looking at their phone. But the minute somebody breaks that ice, then everything changes. You mean like a socially, like it becomes Correct. a conversation? Because yeah. it comes a conversation. But until that happens... Everyone's like super... Exactly. Mm-hmm. People are afraid of how the reaction will be. When you look at somebody oh, that person's too attractive to talk to or that person's too rich or whatever. You can't win if you don't play. That's Mm -hmm. what I've learned in Polly is that you would be surprised who will reciprocate feelings. Mm, Yeah, that's true. Especially as a male, women tend to have an easier time, especially on dating sites in terms of getting attention and sometimes you get too much attention. That's because men are so visual. They are. But Women are reading profiles and there's three lines. Like there's not a whole lot we can do with that. Exactly. When I say hi... How's your day? You're like, great. What can I do with that? Yeah. You know? When I, so I do have an OK Cube, but mostly for attention. So I go through and any like, hey, what's up? I just delete. Cause that's you can't like, do anything with that. Yeah. There's like, you know, probably like 57% of the messages are, hey, what's up? And then there's like 20% that's like, sub sexy and that's gonna get deleted, you know? Right. <laughs> I, I mean, just because I'm sex positive, does not mean you disrespect me from the get go. If I say I want to skull fuck you the first time I talk to you, that's going to send the wrong message. If you treat me like this now, how are you going to treat me yeah. six months from well, now? Well, it's not even about how I'm treated. Like some women want a good skull fucking, you that's know, true. but if that's how you approach someone, that's how they, that's your priority. And so we that's define right. people by their priority, our first impressions, you know, if their priority is to say like, oh my gosh, like I love your body at a bar. I don't, that's not what I'm interested in being valued by. So thanks anyway, you know, thanks for the free drink. Fuck off. You know, that's, it's not that there's nothing to work with. It's just that what you have illustrated to me is your priority is not my priority. So there's kind of a mismatch for some women. That's not true. That's just kind of my experience. Well, I understand the visual aspect because it's not like you look at somebody and say, look at the values on her. Or yeah, look exactly. At the truthfulness on him. That's why I prefer online dating. Cause like if someone approaches me in public, that to me doesn't give me anything interesting to work with. Cause they approach me because of how I look. But if they message me on a dating site, ideally not always they read through kind of who I am and they've looked through some questions so they can kind of infer and then decide. Whereas when you're just out with a visual connection, it's really just like, Oh, they look pretty. So let me walk up to them. Well, and that to me isn't right. You don't look at the, the hot rod for its gas mileage. <laughs> <laughs> you may get 13 miles a gallon, but damn, a ride would be great. <laughs> I hope you guys are drinking during the jokes. You'd be drunk right now. Drinking game. That's a good joke. That's funny. 
Um, so where are we? So I guess, I mean, we're coming close to the end of it. What would your message be about like relationships and relationship values to monogamous people and to polyamorous people? Well, to monogamous people, I say this, especially going on OkCupid and a lot of these dating sites, you would be surprised how many monogamous people reciprocate the idea that, hey, I'm willing to try this out if you use the honesty. Mm, because okay. when you come up to somebody and honestly say, I'm in an open relationship or an open marriage, and you talk to that person, using that truthfulness, it's up to that person to decide whether or not they want to continue to see you. Mm-hmm. So inherently doing that, you can increase the ranks of those who become polyamorous because you are honest about it. If you're polyamorous and you're afraid of how people are going to react to things and you hide it and then present it later, then you're no different off than people who are monogamous who are hiding things anyway and Mm. coming out about it. Yeah. And to polyamorous people, I would say this. Communication is key and never forget what your priorities in life are. It's a lot of fun to meet people. That mm. feeling of euphoria you get that you got in high that school. That NRE. Yeah, that NRE, <laughs> that, that sexual tension is great, but don't let it overshadow the important things in your life. Your relationships with your primaries or your, your main relationships, your financial obligations, your relationship your with children, yourself. <laughs> yourself. Don't overextend yourself for the sake of a feeling mm-hmm. and try to live in a balanced manner because... Too much of a good thing is too bad. You eat too much chocolate, you get too big. Yeah. You know, you take too many drugs. Story of my life. Yeah. Yeah. It's just too much of anything, everything in moderation. Yeah. And I think that's the thing about that kind of sort of... So if people are naturally inclined to non-monogamy, it's like... And they've been forced into this sort of society where like the economy and entertainment and everything says monogamy, monogamy, monogamy. It's like the hose is being uh, cinched right? Their whole life. And then they're like, Oh, we could just let go of this. And then it's just all of this, you know, like that rush, that feeling. And it can, you know, I mean, for people that are very inclined to be sensitive to emotions, it can be like heroin to like fall in love with someone again and not know that that was a possibility and that it's a possibility. So I can totally understand how you could like fuck up your whole life. over it. And I've seen people do it, you know, it happens all the time. Um, maybe not all the time, but it is this way that we kind of, by suppressing something, um, make it, I mean, the same way that we make, uh, drugs interesting to people that are addicts. And finally, be careful who you come out to. Just because you are happy with your relationship and others in your family are, Mm -hmm. it can cause damage down the lines financially, emotionally. Explain how financially. For instance, if you have a, uh, an organization that caters to a certain subset of people that need physical care. Okay. And it's funded by a Christian organization. Oh, I see. Yeah. And you come out saying I'm polyamorous or I swing or whatever. The people who provide the money for that will pull that money and the people that you're caring for will lose all options Mm -hmm. because you have to think about it that way. Not everybody's going to be okay with how you live your life. And that's a sad truth, but it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's what freedom is because of how intertwined we are with online and our ability to touch so many people. You can also present your message to the wrong people Yeah, in the wrong manner. That sucks. I always, I mean, not that I forget. It's just that I am like on this campaign of like 
make poly, you know, like, you know what I mean? And so I agree with you in that little like bubble with like my pitchfork and my torch, you know, you know, running into the, the castle of the conservatives. I forget that like, you really can't like fuck up your whole life just because you love more than one person at a time. It's crazy. (laughs) It's crazy. I know. I feel like it's just like such a slow journey. Um, but we'll get there. I'm 23. I have my whole life. I'll just at some point figure it out. But I do, I do get excited when, um, I get to kind of see into the world of people that I would not have guessed to be non-monogamous and they kind of open up to me. Uh, and I get excited when I get to like, you know, interview people on the podcast. I get excited when I meet people that can come out. Like it just, the fact that people are, um, I guess what I'm trying to say is people that know that they're non-monogamous and are okay with that to me is way more valuable than everybody being able to come out to the public, you know, that internal, you know, the free of judgment ability to do that is so hard on a personal level. You know, I've been through it, you've been through it. I'm sure just trying to like reconcile with yourself. Like, is this who I really am? Can I really do this? And so once you get to that step, like that to me is where the real value is. And then one day, hopefully in my lifetime, you know, the rest of it will be open to everybody, but it's good that you do this young. Yeah. Because, uh, honestly, <laughs> knowing what I know now, yeah, I would have totally done this at 18. My wife said, if I knew what I knew now, I would have wrecked havoc on the college campus. Yeah. Interesting. Maybe that's where I should start. I do kind of want to go. I want to like go places and I want to like do stuff and kind of bring more like tangible materials to people. Sometimes I forget that like this is still important because I'm, I know so many poly people. And so I forget, you know, how important it is. So Thank you for coming on. Oh, thank you for having me. <laughs> it's been really fun. This is super fun to get to know someone from like zero, you know, in-person interaction. Um, and I'm excited to do more of that. Maybe I'll recruit more strangers from the internet. So if you're a stranger on the internet and you're interested in being on the show and you live in Houston or somewhere close, um, then you can email polywanapodcast at gmail.com. You can also email questions to polywanapodcast at gmail.com. Johnny Walker and I are compiling all of those and we are going to do a Q&A episode soon. So if you want to get in on that first Q&A episode, email them um, or email me, them, <laughs> you know, my team of PR people that answers my emails, whatever. Uh, it's literally just me and a laptop. And if you want to come to the live shows or connect with the community, you can like Pollywana podcast on Facebook. Um, there's a Twitter, but I don't use it. So <laughs> you can follow that, but it's probably not going to connect to you in any way. Uh, and you can check out my shows if you can spell my last name. So thank you to the Houston Polyamorous Organization for sponsoring us, to the Mockingbird Network for hosting us, and to Jay Walker Coaching for providing us with services. Um, Leave us a review on iTunes. Mockingbird Network keeps telling me to tell you that, and I keep forgetting. (laughs) So please review us on iTunes. Um, I'm not sure why, but, you know, Brenda told me to tell you that, so do it. Uh, And I love you. Bye. Bye.